Welcome to the Sci-Fi Contrast with Vince and Jeff. Hello there, and welcome again to another episode of the Sci-Fi Crunch Roast. My name is Vince, and with me is Jeff. Hey! Today we're going to talk about a couple of movies um, that are, again, fairly widely diverged. Uh, one is The Last Starfighter, released in 1984. The second one will be Oblivion, released in 2013. So let's start out with The Last Starfighter. It was released in 84, directed by Nick Castle. It stars Lance Guest. Robert Preston, Dano Her 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 what the hell? Herlihy. <laughs> I always want to say a different it's Herlihy. Yeah. Dan O'Herlihy and Catherine and nobody even knows Dan O'Herlihy, I guarantee it, but he is like a, I think he played, he's a legend. He played in other stuff. Oh, they yeah. just had him so make up in this. You couldn't tell. No. As a was. matter of fact, I didn't know. I knew he was in other things. I just didn't know exactly, like, face-wise who the dude was. Yeah. Until I was doing the research for this. You jumped in the IMDb. These are... I did. All these actors have a pretty yeah. impressive... And I pulled up his IMDb, and his face popped up, and I'm like... It was an old one. Right. he played in some westerns. So it was an old one. He was younger, and I still was like, holy shit, that's the old man from RoboCop. <laughs> yes, he is. You know, that's exactly where I where I pictured yeah. him from right there. And RoboCop was put out three years after this. He, this he was, a, or, uh, yeah, three years after this. So he was right. already pretty old and white-haired when he did this role. Well, he sounded like a cranky grandpa in this one, too. Right? I loved him. I, I mean, loved Craig. But, I mean, think about his makeup. Oh, so much makeup for an old for for anybody to go through, but for an old dude, and you know they had to take hours to oh, put I'm on. Sure, in the eighties too. Yeah, so they they don't have the techniques they have now. So yeah, and right. It's worse. So it's worse. hats off to you, Dan O'Hurley. Yes, yeah. uh, holy shit. <laughs> and Vince, Ka- Catherine uh, Mary Stewart was in this one as well, and yeah. she is a veteran of Night of the Comet, which was a B movie uh, experience if you've ever seen one. But it's one of my super faves from the oldies. And we will definitely be doing that one at some point. Oh, that's and, cool. And I'm, you're going to be I'm like, some B movies. no, you're going to be like, what the hell is this crap? <laughs> I quit. I'm know, done. I'm not there, doing the fucking podcast there is anymore. There's good crap and there's bad crap. Like uh, Jupiter Ascending was bad <laughs> crap. Uh, you're never going to let that go. Ultraviolet was really bad no, crap. No, no, that was good crap. That was bad crap. Oh, whatever. Uh, but, you know, some movies are so bad that this could be considered in some regards... So bad it was good. <coughs> Playing Knife from Outer for, Space. Playing Knife from Outer Space. We still haven't watched. I still haven't watched that yet. <laughs> you don't want to, dude. I'm telling <laughs> you. Got to get around to it sooner or later. Oh, all right. No, but the the CG was was pretty bad, and yet it was acceptable, right? Because of the same guys who did. Tron. And it was it was a, yeah, and it was a year after Tron was done. Yeah. So you they can see some improvements. Much. No, you, you can. You so? can, Yeah, definitely, yeah. you can see some improvements. And and again, part of it was I think the reason you didn't care for this. Yeah, as much is because part of it was it's more of a genre that's based in reality. Like we we've had, and that's not what I'm trying yes. to say. What I'm trying I to say is we've had spaceship. With you. We've had spaceship movies forever, and so it's easy to judge them against one another. Tron was one of its kind, so it's well, easier to take the computer animation that's in the computer in Tron and forgive it for whatever lackluster bits it had. This you're automatically balancing against every other spaceship movie out there. I actually agree with your first statement more. The, okay. With Tron, you go and you let it go because it's 
the whole scenario is they're in a computer. So com- bad computer graphics from the 80s for a movie about going into the computer in the 80s makes sense. Here, the realistic thing does come into play. Yeah. These look like stuff from Tron, and yet you they know shouldn't. they're supposed to look like right. uh, real starfighters. I think the worst place that it showed up was in the Ryland base. Oh, I, yes, I totally agree. That looked so flat. It yeah. looked just ridiculous. It was. I thought it was okay. Just okay, mind you. Not only great. because they didn't they didn't dwell on it. They it was a well, quick no. shot and they moved on. No, let me finish. Oh, I, th- oh, I thought oh, it was yeah. okay when you first encounter the Ryland base when they're flying in uh, in the star car oh, okay. the first time when he kind of abducts, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure abducts Lance him. Guest and and uh, and they fly in and they you see the Ryland base for the first time and like you said it wasn't very long and they right. kind of pan past it and they fly into this little hole in the wall boom and done. Yeah, when it was destroyed, quote unquote, destroyed by yeah, the uh, the fleet, and then you saw it again, you're just going, eh, "That's is that even the same place? Where's the destruction? Yeah. I mean, like the the walls were literally cut at ninety ninety degree <laughs> angles. It was perfectly cut. Yes. It was there was no jagged, no hanging wreckage. Not it at all. Was it was a horrible 1980s video yeah. game destruction. It was, it was yeah. horrible. Luckily, again, they didn't dwell on it. So it you was didn't, good. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't they have knew time what to, to dwell go on. Yeah. They didn't dwell on the space battles that much either. It was more about the banter. Right. And a lot of stuff happened in the trailer park on Earth. In fact, uh, I should mention this is a story of a trailer park nobody with great aspirations yes. who was chosen by his skills on a video game. To fight in an intergalactic battle, and, and I gotta, I gotta go from that for a second because you're absolutely right. It's the, tar- it's the, the. He's just out of high school. He's trying to yeah. get into college. He's a trailer park nobody. How the hell is he maintenance for this whole trailer park at the age of eighteen? How is he working as an electrician, hooking up and, and disconnecting people's electric? It, is nobody afraid he's going to burn the place down? <laughs> I think. I don't think the whoever's paying him cared that much. I don't think he's getting he, paid. Yeah, well, maybe he's <laughs> getting think paid in a rent reduction. That could be. That I think mom's getting. It. I think mom's getting some side benefit from maybe fifty or hundred bucks a month off the rent. Yeah. If, if little boy will go do whatever little boy needs to go do. Of course. Then again, did you ever see any kind of a manager in this film? I thought the uh, the the black guy with the beard. Otis. I thought Otis was the manager. I didn't get that vibe from him. I got him as I got the vibe of he ran the little quickie store. Where, where the video game was sitting outside of, and that was it. Maybe, and, but, but he was on about Starlight. You know, when they, the ship came down at the end, right? Uh, he was really yeah. excited about how and they he were was doing, be on the map. Yeah, he was doing maintenance with Alex, so maybe he did run the place. I think he did, or he at least managed it while whoever owned it was off doing whatever the heck yeah. he was doing. Vernon Washington played Otis, by the way, and I got to say, yeah. out of every person in this film, uh, Robert Preston, Dan O'Hurley and Vernon Washington, I thought were the it was best your veterans. Yeah, your veterans. Although the vet- I like they were the best actors. I liked the chemistry between Maggie and uh, Alex, which, as you mentioned earlier, was Catherine, Catherine uh, Mary, Mary Stewart, Stewart yeah. and Lance Guest. They did well. The they, chemistry between chemistry. them, that was good. However, whenever uh, Lance Guest was playing Alex on his own, like yeah. like he wasn't playing off of anything. He wasn't playing off of Catherine Mary Stewart. I didn't like his acting. Uh, you didn't like him when he was playing off of Greg? No. Oh, I liked him when he was playing. That's no, as a matter of fun. fact, what I really didn't like about him was the fact that he, he had an annoying rec, uh, an annoying habit of repeating himself. That could have been the script. 
I'm sure it was the script, but nevertheless, I mean, actors always have input into the script. Why didn't he say, why the hell am I, I'm repeating myself like 10 times in this film. I'm going to defend him. He was an 18 year old kid. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't have the Robert De Niro sized balls yet. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, I mentioned this being about Alex, but it could be easily about a a clone living on Earth attempting to assimilate and uh, act normal for a period of time. Oh, you're talking about the beta unit. The beta unit. Yeah. This movie was split into two storylines for me. It, it was totally the was. the beta unit storyline, mm-hmm. which ended abruptly. Well, the whole, the whole beta unit trailer park storyline. Yes. And then the space storyline. They didn't even have that beta storyline in there as, uh, as hardcore as they did in the movie originally yeah uh test audience uh, audiences loved the baiting it so much that they went back to do more hmm. problem was sense. lance guest had cut his hair and was deathly ill really yeah so there was wigs going on huh. and lots of makeup interesting yeah i'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it again now because yeah. i never knew that that's <laughs> wow he was my favorite part he was uh oh, baby like, unit was great yeah he was like the r2d2 uh, c3po comic relief yeah. of the whole thing him and Greg. Greg was my other favorite part. Preston, I felt, should have been my favorite part because I loved the music man. Right. Uh, and, but somehow I was kind of happy when they killed the music man. <laughs> then it turned out he wasn't dead. He wasn't dead after all. <laughs> no. Because this is outer space. What the hell are you thinking? Yeah, he was. <laughs> he played a slime ball so well. And I, I, you know, felt like it would have been appropriate that he shuffles off the mortal coil halfway <laughs> through the movie. Oh, that's funny. Another, like, can we can we visit the? I know we're kind of just going all over the place this time, yeah, and, and that's I'm good I have with notes, it. and they don't even. Yeah, I'm just gonna toss them. Nice. So, um, <laughs> the video game. Yeah. The, so video games <laughs> video have been game. around for quite a while by right. by were, 1983. They were not that good in 1983. They were though. nowhere near that. They're yeah. still not that good, as a matter of fact. I mean, well, I'm talking in arcades. If you go play in arcades. Yes. That one had smooth yeah. lines. You, yeah. In every arcade game I've ever seen, you could see that pixelation. On right, lines. right. Exactly. But another thing, a, a million points is a record breaker. I that's, know. that's it. That's a difficult game to score in. Though. Right. But, yeah. but I mean, he like he was every time we saw the actual screen, points were just racking up. <laughs> Good point. You know what I'm saying? Good another point. thing. How the fuck was this whole goddamn trailer park interested in this video game? I don't know. What was that all about? Seriously. I need to get my notes now. <laughs> I shouldn't have actually <laughs> No, go them. ahead and get your notes. But <laughs> but seriously, if you think about it, all these old people, like seriously age, it was like a it was like a nursing home had come out to watch him play this game. Yes, that was bizarre. Completely. Thank you. I'm not the only one. No, you I, I were didn't. not the only one. They had an explanation for that off movie. Yeah. Uh, because the whole point of this movie was Jonathan R. Botel, the guy who wrote the story, right. went into an arcade and thought, what if winning an arcade was such a big deal that it meant you were a somebody? Mm. Uh, and he compared it to the arcade machine to being like the sword in the stone. Hmm. So instead of pulling the sword, you got to get that high score and right. then something great will happen. You will be okay to be an amazing warrior. Okay, I get that. Oh, after he gets yeah. the letter. A neat part in a movie, if nobody's ever noticed it, which I don't know how you can not notice I mean, this. He gets the letter, then he runs like a baby. Well, yes, yeah. he does do that. He completely... 
Lance Guest, if you're listening to this, I apologize. No, I don't apologize at all. Yeah. If they, I know they're redoing or they're kind of not. They're not redoing. They're kind of rebooting slash sequelizing this film. I don't know how they're going to do it. Heard about that? Yeah. Have, but Lance Guest, if you're in it, God, I hope you're better than you were in '83. But when he gets the letter, he runs outside like a little girl. Yeah, and he's as he's standing there, <laughs> like a little girl, and the camera looks up. You see a shooting star pass over his head. And oh. you just know that's 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 him. Centauri. That's Centauri. You just know it is. I didn't catch that. Oh yeah, but I see the parallel because when the other what Zanduzan Zanduzan yes uh, comes down, he looks like a shooting star yeah. in the sky, but then it moves weird. Right. Yeah, the Zanduzan. By the way, mm-hmm. I think is probably the dumbest name. Well, well yeah, <laughs> but it, no, the Zanduzan itself was probably the best. Gets my vote for best designed alien of the 80s. You think so? Oh, yeah. You are putting it against a lot. I know. You're putting it against some of the stuff. You're putting it against Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. And you're still putting it on top. Jabba the Hutt was a slug, dude. He was a slug. He was a I, I love slug. the movies. I'm a huge fan. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But he was a slug. That that was it. That was their inspiration. Was, can can slug. look at that tiny little slug that I can destroy with salt. Can we make him an intergalactic crime lord? I'm sorry. Okay, my these guys. I'm just talking facially. The way they they move oh. the eyes down and the nose up, and they reconstructed the whole the whole bone structure of the head. It was, it was and they unique. had to use specialized tools. And see, that's why most aliens are human looking in in most science fiction. Of course, it's easy. Yeah, because the props can be just bought right off the shelf, doctored up with little knickknacks yeah. and whatnot, and you're in the movie. And it also is very familiar, right? So you this can, guy, you can take better mental leaps yeah. as a, a viewer. This guy had to have specialized everything. He had specialized binoculars. He had specialized gun because he had like the 12 fingers on one hand and everything. Yeah. He was specialized everything. It was great. The clothing was really the only thing because it was bipedal was the only thing that you could think was off the shelf. Yeah. And I really, really, really enjoyed that. I'm going to give you that this monster was very unique in its facial uh, look. But I'm gonna throw the tiny little monster from uh, from Flight of the Navigator against yours for best alien. Are you serious? In the 80s, yes, I am. He was cute. He loses. Okay, he's <laughs> <is> awesome. <laughs> I don't care. He loses simply because the Zandozan would eat him. Well, in one bite. I don't think that was his point. That's my point. Fight. That's my point. You're all about strength. <laughs> I'm all about a party accessory. You sit on my shoulder and well, so am I. I've got shooter gliders, but that's a different thing. <laughs> right. I'm talking. I'm talking design, man. Okay. <laughs> like whatever, whatever divine creature designed that thing. Yeah. It was embarrassed. Really? You <laughs> yeah. Think so I thought it was perfect. Yes, because the, the design, the divine creature that designed the Zandozan, he's like drinking beer with topless chicks, going, yeah. I had a couple of those for Top, dinner last week. Topless chicks with faces like Zandozans. Well, probably. Yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's a hell. It's a special hell. <laughs> oh. oh, man. I uh, I dug the ben- banter in this movie. The banter the was great. Yeah, I thought that was the best part. Between I, everything, everybody except for <laughs> Lance Cast. I dug Lance. Alex to Greg. Oh. We differ on that, and that's fine. But it was he was goofy. You know what he reminded me of in this movie when What's he that? when he was when he spoke to Centauri or uh Grig or anybody like You're that. You're gonna say Luke Skywalker no. early on in the series. No. He reminded me of a kid yeah. trying to impress his his bosses or whatever. 
And I guess, okay, that's kind of what he was. Sort of was. But I think he should have been scareder. Because he just got taken from his life that he knew and everything was in his hand. Even the things that were out of control was in his hand. And he was literally completely thrown into this alien, literally alien landscape. And he just was like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I got this. No problem. It happened so fast. I think the shock would have set in the moment he had a second to slow down on the space base. So he probably... he was and pretty it, accurate it for did. the car ride. He was even pretty accurate for the landing sequence, but he would have gotten out and that would have hit him. Even when he was sitting down and he stepped on that tentacle of that a- other alien, the alien screamed, I should crush you to gore and dust. And he was yep. like, sorry, I stepped on your thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would have ran screaming like a little girl, wetting myself <laughs> the whole way. This would have been a very different movie, though, if they had <laughs> taken any time to get the emotions realistic. I uh, guess, maybe. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a filmmaker. were realistic. The only thing that really jived for me was uh, Maggie, the trailer park folk, and, and Alex when he was on Earth. Uh, those punks in a trunk. Yeah, were, oh, God, yeah. yeah. Those, I hated those guys. Um, yeah. How about the space Just station wagon? You called it a space station wagon? It was a space yeah, a station space wagon. Car. It was a space car, but it was a space station wagon. Let's see, I had something about that. They here. literally, they literally took a station wagon and dolled it up on the outside. That's all, they, and they gave it gullwing doors. It was a <laughs> DeLorean space station wagon. Ah, I see why you call it a space station wagon because the back but looked like they, a station wagon. <laughs> which is odd, though, because it shows up, and I thought that was more CGI. Well, it was when it points, flew. When it flew, but when, but when then, it was sitting still, the lines were so straight and mm. it still looked like cgi mm. which was a good thing if you think about it you say okay we're gonna have to do the cgi sometimes and we're gonna have to do it real other times when people are getting in and out of it mm-hmm. and they made it look pretty similar either yeah. way yeah oh prop masters in this film get get 100 percent. absolutely you got the a plus star because they i loved all the props in this film i don't think there was yeah. a prop there was a couple of them on the um the scepter uh, no on the well the, oh god the scepter was so scepter cheesy was dumb yeah <laughs> it was goofy but it it totally fit that character though he it, was a petulant child that needed a pacifier he was we need to talk about him in a minute but we i want to keep talking about the car right now the the well the the, pro, the only props i could find that i um because i look for props in movies i like huh. props i'm a techie guy so i like props yeah and i can i recognize certain props when they flip from movie to movie because there's prop houses in hollywood that literally filmmakers yeah, go to and say stuff they yeah. made it it's like where else can we use this or, or or they they contract out the filmmakers contract out to like ilm ilm mm-hmm. makes a prop well then it's ilm's prop so it goes into their warehouse and anybody else comes to ilm and says hey i need a blah 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 blah, blah. they have a choice look in their warehouse and see if they have something or make it yeah you know they're going to look in their warehouse and see if they have it and they're probably going to charge less money for sure if you know if they have that thing so then the, it's up to the filmmaker to go okay do we want that same prop that was in 14 episodes of Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars or do we want something new and unique most of the props in this film i thought were new and unique except for a couple that were quite obviously um colored fluorescent bulbs in a long <laughs> tube that rotated around i i saw those in multiple other sci-fi uh TV shows and movies, so that's easy to yeah. to overlook as a viewer. So I can see why they'd reuse them. Right, right, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not downing them for it. Again, I, I give them a plus because most of the props were fantastic. Those were the only ones I could see that stood out to my mind. That's not so bad. Yeah, like two props in the whole movie. 
the only two that really stood out to me as memorable were the uh, was was that really dumb scepter and uh, Centauri's digital DeLorean. Those were really remember. <laughs> they were really memorable, and I think that's a good thing because everything else melded into the world. Um, yes, the Communo crystals, however. They oh, should. is that the thing that he put No, on no, his... it was the thing that Centauri threw to him when he took him back to Earth and said, here, take oh, this. Yeah, He's like, oh, I can't, it's such a gift. You look at it, it was a freaking digital watch. Was it really? Oh, yeah, come on, tell me you didn't recognize okay, it. Okay, I'm going to defend this. Uh, they wanted it to look like a digital watch, so it would not be uh, uh, noticed to be alien technology. Uh, so I'm going to defend it. No. I'm going. I'm defending it. It's not. No, it's de- explainable. Your your defense loses. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. According to me, completely defendable, completely okay. According to Vince, bad prop. It was a horrible prop. They took up. They took. They took a watch. They took yeah. a, a and, and it looked probably more like a calculator watch because it had the readout up here and then it had at the bottom where the buttons normally would be for the calculator. They looked like they covered it over with some gold lame. And then they stuck little sparkly bits on there and they took the band off and said here and threw it. And that was it. Yeah. I barely it was, noticed it was it. crap. They put like 20 minutes into that crap. I did but, watch this on a computer screen. So I may have missed some okay. of the smaller details like but that. On, in their defense, it was probably thrown in at kind of the last moment and it was only on screen for literally four seconds. So, you know, speaking of that. That was the first time he had second thoughts. The second time he was already in the spaceship. Go! I thought the second time they did the second thoughts where he was like, oh, I'm just going to go home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. really bad and needed to be taken out. Yeah. That was silly. It, it was unnecessary. Yeah, it, it was. Um, the only explanation I can think of for that was that he really he finally realized, oh, shit, this is real. I could die. Maybe, but they didn't play it right. No. There should have been. If that was what they were going for. Please, Lance, show me some more panic. Please, show Lance, me. show me anything <laughs> anywhere in the film. I really don't like him. I no, not for this. He was just goofy. He ruined. No, he didn't ruin. He didn't, I didn't ruin. think he ruined this. He didn't this ruin the film. Movie. It was a but fun movie. What could have been a great movie was just okay. I think, and I think his performance was a big part of that. I think that you could take this movie and redo the CGI. And you would have a perfectly fine, fun movie. The summer blockbuster, summer summer matinee movie. So when you say redo the CGI, you mean completely cover over Lance Guest's entire <laughs> performance with CGI character? No. Is that what you mean by redo? Because no. everything else CGI in the film I thought was great. Oh, no, I thought they could redo the, the spaceships because the spaceships were a little bit Okay. You, oh, you mean bringing it up to date for the time. Yes, because okay. you don't even well, have that to would touch inc- the acting. That would to totally fix all that. that would totally include redoing Lance Guest's entire no, role with no, a CGI character. I, and keep the practical effects. I I found the practical effect of the uh the beta unit forming. Oh, that was awesome. It was awesome and awful, but it was the right kind of awful. Yeah. I thought it was very well done for the time, however, how for the time, skin- sure. <laughs> yeah, that sure, was great. It was something straight out of a monster movie. It was neat, yeah. So we liked the banter. We liked the uh, we liked the practical effects. Uh, we liked most of the acting, but Vince doesn't like Lance. The uh, yeah, and it's not his. Okay, it's not again. He didn't ruin it. It's not his whole part. But there was just definitely parts in there that he did that I was just like, no, come on, dude, you could do better than this. You know who and, and the whole repeating the lines was. I can't. I I will not believe ever in my life. I'm sorry. 
that that was in the script. I just won't. Uh, okay. Maybe maybe it was. You, you could you could show me the, the other. You could show me the script where he repeats lines, and I would be like, we would need to. Yeah. The only BS. way we could figure that out is by seeing the script. I might actually look that look that up. You know who um, was? I have a split feeling on one of the characters, and my my split feeling is this: either uh, he took bad scripting and made it as good as you can, or he was just really terrible. Maybe. Norman Snow. Norman, huh? Norman Snow. He played Tyrant Zur, the spoiled space, uh, the spoiled space brat. I didn't even know his real name. Yeah, it's Norman Snow. His... Well, he doesn't do much outside <laughs> of this movie. <laughs> he doesn't do much in this movie. <laughs> no, he, he doesn't. He whines and cries about shit. He sure does. And then oh, he, my God. He, he does actually, his scepter every once in a while. He actually I'm so pissed. Look at this sharp thing. Yes. He actually stamped his foot when they gave the order to fire. Yeah. He, he did. He stamped his foot like a petulant little child. He's such a petulant little child. He had no verbal skills whatsoever. No. It was like someone had taken away his lollipop and he was throwing the eternal temper tantrum. Through the whole damned movie. Right. Don't take away my ability to save fire. And then, and then he... I can't do a, a no. compression. He, and I then don't he want didn't to even die. No, that but pissed that, me off. That was good because it sets up the ending... The, the the whole league could have gone like, yeah, okay, you did what you needed to do. Now go back to the trailer park. But <laughs> because he was still around and because he wasn't really that scary, uh, the the no. future people or the space people went, you know what? We kind of need you, Lance. No. Um, what's his name again? <laughs> now you forgot. Alex. Alex Rogan. Yeah. And they said, we need you, Alex. Come here. Bring your girlfriend. Set up base here. I, I see what you're trying to do. You're yeah. trying to save this crappy-ass, petulant child character. It's not going to work. No. All I'm they, only saving he, the fact they, that he no, no, lived. Listen to me. I'm not they, saving him. That I get you. was listen, awful to watch him. Listen, they could have killed him. Oh, and I'll tell you why they could have killed him. Because they set up earlier in the film that there was a Zurian cult. There was an entire... He had an entire following. How the hell this guy had an entire following I of people? No I don't know. No clue. Well, they, but they, they were, set that up. So they, so they didn't have to save him. Monsters with brains this big. What? They were. They must have been a following of aliens with brains the size of peas. That's what? the only way it could have... <laughs> I guess. the only way any aliens would have followed that guy. I guess. I don't know. Anyway, you were saying. But, but and that's another thing. Because all yeah. of the military leaders that were on the ship saw him for what he really was. And their emperor, yeah. ostensibly, through the dialogue, thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. How the hell... Yeah. How the hell does an emperor of this race buy into this dude's crap? And and these, what you would, I mean, if you follow kind of normal uh, military protocol, usually the higher ranking guys are the smarter guys. And and in this instance, not, I'm, I'm I'm talking, you get into generals and things like that. Yeah. Or you, don't be, you don't become a general be by alien. being an idiot. Okay. Yeah. But we're talking about the emperor. So that could have been alien inbreeding. Yeah, I guess it could have been. But the, the lower guys, the guys in charge of this ship saw that he was a complete douche. Yet the emperor was like, no, no, no. Follow his orders. I, I, that, I have real world information to bring in on this one. Well, hang um, on. Before you do that, oh, yeah, I sure, want to finish sure. my thought. So the cult, yeah. they could have killed Zur. Yeah. And had the cult take up the mantle later. That's all I wanted to say. He didn't need to live. It would have provided everybody great satisfaction had he died. And then they could have still carried it on with the cult in the next movie. I felt a lot of satisfaction when they killed the other two aliens that are working under him. 
not because I hated those two guys or anything like that. I mean, mm. I think they were well enough despicable, but because of his the one alien with the red yeah. eyepiece. I wish they would explain that. I know that. Didn't I don't know really what that was. Seemed to do anything. It was goofy, but it was cool. But his line though, his outline. We die. We die. <laughs> yeah. What do we do now? <laughs> We die. That was great. <laughs> very, very good line. That was I the like second it. best line in the movie, as far as I'm concerned. I'm gonna think. I'm going to assume the, your favorite line could be one of three lines. Okay, go ahead. Uh, my biggest bet is the one he says, uh, "I'll have it figured out. I have a plan figured out by the time we reach the barrier." Lanson says, <laughs> "What was that? <laughs> the barrier or the field? The force field? The frontier? The frontier? That's yeah. it." That's that not my, it. That's, that's not, not it. Okay, then my second guess would be, and this is probably the most famous line from the movie, <laughs> Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to, to defend, defend the, the frontier, frontier against Zur and, and the Kodan Armada. Armada. No. <laughs> no. But a okay. great but a great line. Okay, then the third one has to be, this is down to my last guess. <laughs> my third guess has to be when they're sitting in the spaceship, it's like, what happened to the hangar? I blew up. Oh, well, where were the starfighters in, <laughs> in the, the hangar. hangar? How much of how many of our less? Uh, how many of us are left, including you? One. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of really good lines. That wasn't it either. But there was no. a lot of okay. <laughs> That's all my guesses. My was favorite. Yours? My favorite line from the movie was delivered by Robert Preston. Oh, and he says, "Quote." May the luck of the seven pillars of Gulu be with you at all times. I love that line. Robert Preston delivered his lines like a used car salesman. Yes. And it was excellent. On crack. He took he <laughs> took his performance from the music man and said, how do I dial this up to 20? Pretty much. I'm doubling this. Pretty much. He was excellent. And I've always loved Robert Preston because of his deliveries. This is the only film I've ever seen him in. You ha- you've seen the music man. Right? I have not. You have to. Do you have a sister? A what? A sister. If you have a sister, I have three sisters. None of them forced you to watch musicals. No. Okay. Well, well there you go. Uh, the only musical I watched growing up, and it's still one of my favorites, is The Sound of Music. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. And now I've gotten into more musicals since I became you know since I grew up became an adult. I like uh, like Chicago. And yeah. Musicals like that, um, Jesus Christ Superstar, and a bunch of those kind of things. That's but my favorite musical of all time. Is it really? Yes, because of the music. As a Jesus music guy, Jesus Christ Superstar. It's way Do over the top. You, yeah, yes. the music is well crafted. It, was it is the best Andrew Lloyd Webber musical of all time in my eyes. Okay. Uh, I know that's, a that's lot saying of people, a lot because they've he's done he's done spectacular. Cats. He's done stuff, Joseph yeah. and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. But that one was well-formed with lots of reoccurring themes that were done in interesting ways. And then, this is way off topic, but it's a great time to talk about music. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into the music. Craig Safan. I'm going to run away from uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber to a more relevant musician for The Last Starfighter. Craig Safan. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Nah, I don't know. There's nothing special about him. But I always talk about music. I noticed this right away. This felt like a Star Wars rip-off, orchestral, big, grand-sounding. I, I I loved and I was, fans. you know, I've gotten more into listening to the music during movies because you're such a big fan of, of yeah. the music during movies. Yeah. So I've gotten more, and I really paid attention in this when we were, I was doing the rewatch, and I, I couldn't find an argument with the film, so with, with the music. with the music. He just didn't, none of the themes were memorable. Um, it did its job, it did its purpose, and I have no complaints about this, but this came after Star Wars, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
the, yeah, because Star Wars was the seventies. Yeah. The problem was there even were, even uh, Empire Strikes Back was eighty two. This was eighty three. My problem with this was there were too many similarities between this and Star Wars's Star Wars music. Uh, the um, there was a point in time with the music when it was like quiet and sort of playful. It sounded like the uh, the the sand, the little short sand people, the Jawas. Jawas, yeah, from Star Wars. And there was another time where they're doing this big orchestral thing with horns and and strings, and that made me think of the the uh, the fanfare, the fanfare at the end when they're in the original Star Wars, they're getting their um, Metal, yeah, yeah, medals, yeah, on the strings pieces. There there was no attempt to break away from the mold in this with the music uh so craig Stefan just kind of just he, he, the, he, he the did formula. what works he did what works is what yeah. you're saying yeah i'm glad there was enough of this movie outside of the music to make it a great movie because there, the music wasn't the thing that was going to do it no well I, and I don't think the music should ever be this the sole thing that elevates a good movie to heroic status it should be part of the part of the whole you know what i mean perhaps but take the terminator the first terminator yeah that song the dun 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 it has stuck with me my whole life right because it was so well done and it was so that movie and and i'm not i'm not not taking that away what i'm saying is that would not have if the terminator if the film if everything in between the the fanfares beginning and the ending music yeah everything in between there had sucked the music was not going to elevate it to, to legend status. You're not going to... Let's put it this way. If all you had to remember Terminator by was the fanfare, right? Yeah, if, the if opening there, if, music. If there was no... I'll be back. Okay? Yeah, there's if there no, was no... There's no uh, if there was Arnold no... Come with me if you want to live. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, you're taking out all of the content and say, oh, well, okay, you could slap this music on top of yeah. something else. Let's say would it, uh, would My it Little make Pony it is the movie. Dun, 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 dun. Come on, Starshine Starbright. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to happen. But I, I mean, I get where you're saying what you're saying about this mu- music. I'm just yeah. saying, I think I think that he took what happened in, in other films and worked with it and made it kind of his own, but still used the same elements is not a bad thing. It was it was good. It wasn't great. The, the film itself was probably only a seven, six or seven out of ten, you know, widespread i mean i i grant it like an eight or a nine but that's me i'm saying every yeah. common if you look on tomato meter if you rotten tomatoes the tomato meter it probably didn't get over like 60 percent. i think it was 67 uh, so i was close you're pretty um, close so this one but as i'm saying even if you'd have thrown a star wars fanfare a brand spanking new uh john williams uh soundtrack on top of this it mm. still wasn't going to be an eight or nine out of ten i do have a few I made a, a quick list of my uh, my issues. With the I movie. did too. Uh, not issues, Good. but things I liked. Oh, and, okay. And, and some issues. Let's go back and forth then. Okay. I'll do an issue. You do a thing you like. Do um, it. So the translator, they put it on that his shirt. That was cool. Shirt. That was cool. They put it on his shirt. Under the collar so you Under didn't the see collar. it. So that works as long as he doesn't change his clothes. <laughs> no, no, he could always. Put he it knows what it is. He knows what it is. It's he on. Can take it off and put can it on. They? It looks like stamped it in there. No, it no, was he's got to wear board. that shirt forevermore in space. <laughs> oh my God, did he have that shirt on underneath and, and, his and what flight about, uniform? No, the flight uniform had one built in. That's a good explanation, but still, he can't change his clothes unless he's in his flight <laughs> uniform or that shirt. 
It would have been or, way better or, if it was like the or, babel fish or, that went in his ear or, or something, a stamp in the skin. Or yeah. if he learns the language. He could theoretically <laughs> learn the billions of space languages. No, no, no. I no. assume there's See, more than one. Yeah, you've never role played, have you? You've got no Dungeons I, and Dragons I, experience. I, or I DM'd once. What? Yeah, back in the day. And I you DM'd. don't understand the the common language? <laughs> <laughs> common. I, that was like it. I was a. Do you know Elvish? No. Do you know Dwarvish? No. Do you know Dragon? No. I know Common. Oh, yeah. well, son of a. That's like seventy percent of the languages right there. If you take uh, real world stuff, there's there was a common trade language, but it was like a. Okay, there we're, were common we're, trade we're, languages. We're talking about science fiction. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, the thing we were talking about earlier that we'll, do I get there to was go? A, oh yeah. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Something I liked if was you really want to. yes, I do. Okay. When they when they were in the star car and they and he shifting into star drive at Columbo Zeta or whatever the hell he said. Yeah. Yeah. When the when you're looking at it from the side and the stars went did you notice there was color shift? I mentioned this in my little thing. I mentioned when I did my Ad Astra was it worth it thing. I mentioned that there was color shift in that in the stars and that's a great scientific thing. It happened here too. Tell me about that. Well I don't know the science behind that. Oh okay. Well the science behind it is when you're accelerating toward a star versus accelerating away from a star the star will shift colors. What's the general color shift? Blue, green when you are accelerating toward a star, I believe. Okay. Red, orange when you're accelerating away from a star. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I, I had no clue, but that's yeah. neat. So it's they a, That's a factual thing. They took this factual thing in and this scene and manipulated it. it. Yeah, they manipulated it a little bit because obviously the whole star field smashing together and then coming back out like the, like it did in the star drive scene. Yeah. I don't know if that would happen <laughs> right. or could happen at any point, depending yeah. on the mechanics. It was the eighties. You could describe star yeah. travel any way you want. Pretty much. Uh, but the, but the color shift aspect was, is a real life thing. That's, that's pretty neat. You know, what's great about that is barely anyone's going to notice that, but it's one of these tiny details that the person who does notice is going to really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your turn. Okay, so the next thing I have uh, is regarding the ele- I, what I think is the elephant in the room when it comes to issues with this movie. Okay. The U.S. Army. Yeah. We have multiple bases all over this one single planet. Okay. The Space Army, one hangar. <laughs> That's my issue. This This... Supposedly, <sighs> incredibly okay. futuristic, highly advanced civilization to be can, taken out by taking out one hanger. I'm going to refute that using a title of a TV show. Okay, what's that? Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. There what was Deep Space Nine. There was an entire Starfleet. Yeah, but did they ever show up in force? Or I should say, did they often? show up in force when there was a problem at Deep Space Nine. No. Deep Space Nine was left to handle that crap on their own for the most part. Really only during the Dominion War did Starfleet even show up. So I venture to say that the Ryland base was Ryland Deep Space Nine. And they were out there dealing with this little Zurian dude because the guy that's in charge of Ryland Deep Space Nine was his dad. So, And the rest of the gigantic mighty armada fleet whatever thing that is made up of all these planets and and you know was waiting somewhere else or maybe fighting a war somewhere else in the universe who knows maybe i refute your refute (laughs) with this so in deep space nine sure you had one ship with probably multiple hangars by the way 
that is guarding what what was it like a portal or something? Yeah, well, yeah, it was a wormhole. Yeah. Wormhole, and so if something comes to that wormhole, they're the first defense. Uh, but before you get to occupied space, where well, there's a crap ton of occupied planets, you're going to run into more stuff. In this movie, apparently, if Zor Zer Zer made it through the force field, no one was going to stop him. He was going to win. I, I, yeah, they made it sound that way. They sure did. I don't think that's really what it was, though. Okay, so your refute to my refute to your refute is that they sort of exaggerated. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> your refute to my refute to your refute is that they exaggerated this thing and back to Star Trek. Star Trek Pretty Deep much, Space yeah. Nine. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> how many more things you got on your list? Not a huge <clears throat> amount. Uh, I mean, they have uh, the the Death Blossom is yep. was your clue coming up to this movie. Yes. That was, uh, that one, was the, the one that Nick used to to guess this movie, wasn't it? Uh, well, uh, I don't know. I don't. Well, I gave all three of them at once, so I don't. Oh, know. you did. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was the most obvious because. Yeah, Death I Blossom. forgot. We got to do our shout outs too. Oh yeah, oh, what yeah, am I missing? Shout, out, shout out to Nick Cladke for uh, guessing the last Starfighter. Nobody guessed. Oblivion, haha! My clues were successful. <laughs> and shout out to Robert Forster. Um, he was Captain Dan Holland in Disney's The Black Hole, and he was in many other films. He passed away oh. on Friday, so I wanted to give him a shout out. So we are running really, really long. Are, are you serious? <laughs> oh, I'm serious. You know, this is the one episode where it didn't feel like we were running. Really I know long. you're this right. Was, this was a joy to talk about this movie. So I'm going to zip down these really quick. What I got, and then you can zip down yours, and then we can take a break. Okay. Um, the video game sounds when he went through the little Im- immunization tunnel when he got to Ryland Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. They were literally video game sounds. I loved it. At least it <laughs> sounded like it to me. Yeah, it was great. Um, the here the, the little robot when they walked into the main um like command deck war room thing, there was a little tiny robot there that was walking that was kind of rolling around. Yeah. That was that was neat. That was actually what they call a hero robot. It was released back in the day. It was uh, hero stood for Heathkit educational robot. Ooh. Literally something that you could buy for like five hundred seven hundred dollars whatever it was, yeah, and that's neat. you could buy it assembled or you could buy it in pieces and put it together. And it had the arm on the back, too, which was like an extra grand. I thought that was kind of neat. Gotcha. The head melting scene was cool. Oh, the that spy. was when the giant uh, face of Zer yeah. was showing off his treachery. Right. And then the spy came on the screen and bzz, they zipped the thing down that into his head. That was a whore when I was a kid. I know. That's what I was going to say. It was cool, Whoa. but it was a bit much for the kiddos in the audience it back then. Was. Right? It, it was. Because his deep. face literally melted. Well, you know, the thing about this movie is you don't really get any evidence that... The people uh, that Centuri was with uh, were the good guys. Right. And Zur's people were the bad guys, I- except for that. He does this evil thing. Right. But well, and he kind of acts, acts evil dictatorish. He does act evil dictatorish, but you don't know what the consequences of what either side winning would be. Right. Maybe, maybe the good guys were actually a uh, tyrannical overlord group uh, and the... Supposed could, bad guys were a rebellion. Could be. Trying to fix things. Could absolutely be. Um, but the, yeah, that scene with the head melting was was horrific. When uh, when Zur finally gave the order to fire, yeah, the meteor gunner literally had a look on his face that said, oh, thanks, now I can push this button. Appreciate yes. it. Yes, he did. He looked like, <laughs> oh, oh, for Christ's sake. That's what I was thinking in my head. That's what he was thinking in his head. It's like, oh, just... 
Oh, you son of a sake. Yeah. And then the, the the second, well, third best line, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know where you rank this, but I love this line was Lewis when he oh. leans over the bed and he sees the beta unit. <laughs> what the shit? <laughs> <laughs> I love there's a third storyline that we didn't talk about. Oh. Yeah. So there's a first storyline. Kid goes main, into space. Yep. Second storyline, Beta tries to fit. We we didn't mention the fact that this is also a story of how a young boy's trauma started. Yes. <laughs> he sees his brother's head sitting on a desk. Yes. He's going to therapy. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. That's or what, or that's he's what going the sequel to build, should be. Or he's going to build androids. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the sequel should be. It should be him turning into the Joker. Yeah. It's like that was the moment in times like nothing's real. <laughs> That was a good comedic bit. (laughs) That was one of those scenes where you go, okay, okay, this is definitely a comedy. I don't need to take any of this seriously. Because that's not what would happen. That kid would be having some freaking problems. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, Will Wheaton was in this movie. Will Wheaton was in this movie? Will Wheaton was supposed to be in this movie. Well, he was, if I remember right. In one scene in the very beginning when some kids were playing, he had his own storyline. And he's mentioned in all of the acting credits, but they cut mo- almost all of him out. Really? Yes. I'll be a son of a gun. I did yes. not notice Will Wheaton at all. Yeah. Well, it's caused some confusion, I understand. Will Wheaton is Lewis's friend right there. Look yeah. at that. Yes, he is. Didn't even have a name. No, he didn't. <laughs> he was. He would have had a name, I guess. And you know why he didn't have it? You know why he didn't have a name? Because even back then when he was in this, the producers knew Will Wheaton was just a douche. <laughs> Do you think Will Wheaton was a douche? I think Will Wheaton is a huge douche. I don't know enough about him. I, I just yeah. know he shows up everywhere. He, and I thought right? his game, he, I, I went through a board game stint and he did some board game shows. Yeah. I thought he was great on those. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying you can be a douche and have good points. Yeah. He He's looked, still a douche. He looked like he would have been fun to sit down and play some board games with. No, I think he would have been a complete dictator. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I added the tater for our young friends. <laughs> hey, Will Wheaton, if you ever, for any reason, actually listen to this, come uh, come hang out with us and prove Vince wrong. Yeah. Oh, I, I dare you. <laughs> this is going to happen. <laughs> I dare you, Will. This is really going to happen. I absolutely yeah. dare you. I'll give you my address. Just fa- <laughs> yeah, shoot we'll something. To you. Crunch, at Crunch Roast on Twitter. You shoot me the intention to come out here, buddy. I'll give you my address. We'll have this one out. Yeah. So, anyway, that's what I had. What okay. do you have still on your list real quick? Oh, did I mention everything? Because I think I oh, did. okay. Oh, I did want to give a really quick props to what happened in the space battle. I thought they really dealt with how how they took on the Armada really well. First, taking out the communication to keep them from being an organized fleet, then going through and, uh, you know, taking out ships before they became aware of them. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you see these big heroic movies where they do big heroic things that don't make sense and logically shouldn't work. And this, they took a smart strategy. And um, I just want to give a shout out in the hopes that if I shout out stuff like that enough, maybe more people will get out there and do it right. That's yeah. it for me, though. I am just that. That's my notes. They're All gone. Right. I'm done. And that's it for The Last Starfighter. Stick around because next we've got Oblivion starring Tom Cruise.
right, welcome back to the second half of the episode. This time we're going to be dealing with a film from 2013, Oblivion, directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who incidentally directed Tron Legacy and is directing the upcoming Top Gun Maverick. Uh, this film stars Tom Cruise, Olga Kurlenko, Morgan Freeman, and Andrea Riceborough. We're not going to have much to say about this movie because... While I enjoyed it, I thought it was a good ride. It's it, Tom Cruise just screws this movie for me. I have mixed feelings. <laughs> he delivered a uh, professional performance, but it was a little bit bland. It, not only was it, I mean, he delivered a Tom Cruise performance, and and when I say that, I mean I literally recognized many many things that he does in other films. Facial movements, the way he delivers lines, can things you, of that nature. Can you recognize facial movements on Tom Cruise now? Barely. Barely. He's a plastic person now. <laughs> he kind of is. Oh, my God. He uh, he just looks off and unsettling. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that about people who don't just let themselves age. Mm. There's It's the uncanny, the uncanny valley. Right. I did. You know what? Do you know what the uncanny valley is? We discussed it. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of you will probably remember if you didn't already know what the uncanny valley is. And he's he's in there. He's a human being who's in the uncanny valley. There is no evidence to support the fact that he is a human being. Oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, the I'm, Scientology thing. Right? I'm just saying. Yeah, he could have been replaced <laughs> a long time ago. Um, yeah, but anyway, as far as things to say about this movie, like I said, I really wanted to like this movie. And I do like it to a certain point. Um, I think I, I, I honestly think that it would have benefited from anybody other than Tom Cruise in the lead role. I can tell you what I think should have been changed. OK. Uh, first off, this was a sweeping story that had a lot going on. And because of sh shoehorning it all into this short movie format, you ended up having to have too many exposition dumps. And Mr. Morgan Freeman, who is one of my favorite voices in Hollywood, right, ended up being an exposition dump. And uh, yeah. I wanted to like his character because I like things he does. That, that whole side of the movie with the scabs yeah. was reduced to drivel because mm -hmm. they didn't put enough into it. They, yes. You didn't... I mean, literally, they were the remnants of the human race... And I didn't give a shit about him. I didn't really either. That's a bad thing. <laughs> in really a movie, is. in a movie about aliens destroying the human race, you kind of want to cheer for the human race. Yeah, I had nobody to cheer for in this film. It was. I didn't it was. Either. It was literally point to point to point for me. Yes, it was a. And 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 the points. I thought they were for me. They were driven by the special effects and and the tech and things of that nature. I think it was there was a very academic nature to how the world was explained uh, because it was an academic sort of thing. Uh, you were looking at all the things that fit into this puzzle of what really is going on, but you didn't have the emotion or the uh, time to get invested in it. I have nine points you have nine points. That's I have, all you got. I have not for the whole film. Yes. The and whole and film. out of them, all but two are prop related or I'm serious. <laughs> okay. Well, let me go from the top. So you're going to go with mostly the aesthetic feel 
Of yeah, the movie. that was the whole film for me because okay. I didn't care about anybody in this film. Even Look. even Jack. The end scene where Jack and Beach sacrifice themselves for the better of humanity, ostensibly. Yeah. You killed it, off a clone. It, it carried no fil- no no weight for yeah. me. Like I said, I really, really wanted to like this movie a lot. This could have been an amazing character study. And it yes. started off an amazing yes. character study. And uh, this was... Shit the bed. It this, just shit the bed. There was too much of the, the mystery that needed to be discussed and understood and delivered to the audience. They didn't have any time no. to do the actual character study. Right. And it started off as a character study because I loved the opening scenes with him just fixing stuff, even though the the fix it with the gum was absolutely <laughs> dumb. I know. Overplayed, ridiculous, so we're, stupid. we're 500 crap. years in the future and you're still fixing shit with gum? Seriously? Yeah, so dumb. Yeah, no, there was a lot of those parts in, in the movie uh-huh. where you're just going seriously. When, when looking for the drone, 172, at the, at the beginning of the movie. Was that the one that... They had a beacon for, and then suddenly, like, well, we don't have a beacon for this. Uh, I don't remember. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. he, he was looking for the drone. He had he went stopped at lunch, and she was like, "I don't know how we're going to find this drone." It's like looking for a needle in the haystack, and he goes, "We're going to go to our ground game." That was also dumb. And he gets in a motorcycle, which is the less efficient way, <laughs> yes! of searching for something. That was you, your other choice is a flying vehicle. It was clearly done just to say we've got electric motorcycles look how yeah. green we are it was a, a way to get tom cruise on a cool motorbike that's it yeah that is it strictly Go for it tom Although, and, and the motorbike did look cool i totally did. want one because i could put it in the trunk of my sports car <laughs> go somewhere haul it out and be green on my bike for a little while and then yeah. squinch it back up and put it back in my sports car again. you know this movie should have, as I said, it should have been a character study. That could have been something that you start to learn about the character if they had taken the time to use a longer format than just right. a movie. Maybe Jack Harper is the kind of guy to go to do things that aren't efficient just because he wants to. He wants right. to ride a motorbike at that time. And you, mm-hmm. if you got a chance to learn And you about know that's him, exactly what it was because one of the yeah. first scenes you see of him on the bike is he goes up that little ramp and does that little jump. Right. He's just having fun. He's just having fun. Yeah. That's totally it. They didn't do enough of a character study for that to, for you to walk away from the movie going, uh, yeah, I'm satisfied that that really is what happened there and not a shortcut for the the director to do something cool right the shots of the subs and the ships on land because ostensibly the, the hydro rigs are draining water oh yeah and so the water table's going down that was kind of a cool look the whole movie visually yeah. was appealing it was visually appealing they had they had great cinematography in it i just wish they had the story and and the acting chops and everything to back it up and you mm-hmm. you think with the names in this film cruise uh, Freeman, Riceboro. Mm-hmm. These are big names. They've done lots of movies. And some of the scenes really could have been amazing payoffs. Oh, yeah. The scene, uh, what was the redhead? Vicka. 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 The scene where Vicka, the first Vicka we meet, gets killed could have been heartbreaking. Uh, it had the potential, but we didn't get enough of the character study. No, you're ab- you're absolutely right. And, and, and it bled into the second Vicka. Because I did. didn't care about the first one. Well, why do I care about the second? Even even yeah. where, even where the first one, the the romance between Vicka and Jack was kind of toyed with. 
Oh, it was so. Oh, it, it didn't it, feel it, right. No, it didn't feel right. It, it didn't feel there. It, oh. it felt like two friends that decided to have sex. It felt like the sex scene was particularly uncomfortable because it felt smashed in there. Yes. Oh. And then when you go to the second tower and Vika is obviously infatuated with Jack, they tech five two. And, and apparently, and that Tech Vika. Five Two is way better uh, of a romancer than Tech. That's, what was the first one? Four, tech Four Nine. Four Nine. Tech yeah, Four Nine. That's exactly what it seems like. And and yeah. they, you know, she started talking and well, where's my kiss and all this kind of thing. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I just don't care. Maybe it's because Riceboro is a better romantic actor at this point in their careers than tom cruise is so yeah she could pull it off by herself maybe with an imaginary boyfriend who's not there tom cruise was the wrong choice for this tom he really was he was he was old looking he looked too old to be with either of those women um the sound effects in this film are awesome uh i got a funny story about the sound i've got a very good i've got a very good sound system i'm fortunate enough to have a nice sound system and tv to watch these things on and uh my sub is turned to about halfway yeah. So it's it's a two hundred watt sub, so it cranks out about a hundred watts of power for movies like this when I get it, you know, toned up. And I was very comfortable with the vibration level and the bass yeah. and everything that this movie I, I really enjoyed all the sound effects and things like that. See, this is the things that really there was no plot that, that interested me. So these are the things I have to take solace in when I watch this movie. <laughs> and they are and, and again, now for that I have to say I do watch this movie. Mm-hmm. I own it, so I watch it every once in a while. Yeah, but again, it's I don't watch it for the story. I watch it because the bubble ship is freaking cool. The bubble ship's neat. The I, inverted the, pyramids are yep. Uh, are the water pyramids the upside? Because the pyramid seems to be a recurring theme. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's well, like our a lot of our architecture. If you look, just look around my room, our architecture yeah. and things we have are based on right angle squares. Yeah. So apparently, the aliens is on big on uh, spheres, tetragrams. And yeah. yeah, it was a tetragram. Is that's why they call it the tet. Yeah, so tetragrams and spheres. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the tech looked cool. Yeah, the hydro rigs looked; they were shaped kind of like they the tech really hanging neat. in. Sky. They didn't make sense because if they were drawing water and ionizing it for that long, and there was that many of them, and you get the impression that this is not the only place it's happening, what was it? Fifty years, something 60 like that. Sixty years, some ridiculous span of time. You know what? I didn't they care. Really didn't bring down the water level that much. Well, I mean, it I don't know. Cool, there was subs and there were subs and ships on land. Yeah, and they were like far. They weren't. They didn't appear to be for the scenes we saw them, and they didn't appear to be close to any other bodies of water. Yeah, they were far inland, which means either a there was a huge thing and it caused the ships to move inland. Or B, the hydro rigs have been at it for so long and they're so efficient that they literally drain the water table down to where the, the, they're probably on their last legs as far as how much more they have to drain before the water is completely gone from Earth. Yeah. And and that's why they're, they appear to be so far inland. I think with that much water reduction on the Earth, the climate would be ruined. Oh, I yeah. I don't think the Earth and, would be livable. And that was another thing. What You didn't see any of that. Yeah. You did, as a matter of fact, well, you did see a lot of dirt and a lot of desert. You yeah. did you did see that. Uh, as a matter of fact, the only green I remember seeing was in Tom Cruise's little hideaway when he flew down in between those mountains and there was a little lake and yeah, and, and they were near trees and stuff. They were near an ocean, so right. there was water there. Yeah, not much in the way of rainfall. Uh, there was those big storms, but even them, I don't even remember them dropping. No, much they were the just electrical rain. storms. It that, seemed like that actually made sense. It does because it's a drier climate. Yeah. 
But you know what? Ultimately, yeah, I didn't care. I didn't care either. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about all these things, but this is going to be the reoccurring theme. We didn't care. We didn't care. It was academically interesting. All the pieces of this puzzle, when put together, form an interesting academic thing to look at. And but that's it. In the way it was presented, none of the twists or turns felt particularly interesting. It was just academic. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So that's what's happening. Huh. That's pretty neat. Okay. The, the cool. filmmakers here should look at Avengers uh, Endgame as a way to make a good action film and put parts in there where people care. I think they should stretch this out to a six-part miniseries because uh, you can give a lot more time to oh, totally. look at the characters and then do your big action scenes and a movie format at the end. Right. Because that was the thing we were missing was the characters and uh this uh, and this movie, getting getting the information without it being exposition dumps yeah. these things could have been fixed this movie is textbook on what not to do with your characters in movies yeah you've got to, yeah. you've got if they if they made a sequel to this film i venture to say it would make almost nothing at the box office the only people that would go would be people who were like oh i got to see what kind of tech is in this film no one remembers this no. movie as far as i know I never hear anyone talking about it. Um, I barely found anything about it online that was reasonably interesting to talk about. In fact, yeah. I think most of what we're talking about now comes straight from the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other things I liked, uh, the records that he had in his little hideaway. That was nice. Yep, Duran nice Duran, touch. Blue Oyster Cult, Led mm-hmm. Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Yeah, he has a, a good selection of 70s and, and 80s records that I uh, I would have listened to those. Which I don't know. That's very It's very interesting, too, because let's go ahead and let's go ahead and analyze this from a character standpoint. Yeah. He had his mind wiped prior to his service that he's living out right now. Tech oh, 49. Not really. He was a clone. So they well, said because no. remember, they lied. Yeah. They lied about everything. He was a clone. So he didn't start out getting his mind wiped and going to the earth. He just started out with no memories. Right, right, right. They lied about that. Well, and then you find yeah. out later that he just never lived these things. Right. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. I apologize. I'm, I'm, I was speaking from the viewpoint of tech four nine. Okay, Cause he enough. thought it he was a thought mind wipe. He had a mind wipe. Now um, that's true. He totally so, thought he had a mind wipe. So that brings me to the point. How did he choose? Cause all of these, he didn't have like a wide variety of records. He had classic rock stuff. Mm-hmm. How did he, why? Where did you find him? He well, just, he found somewhere with just. Well, he went records. to all kinds of different places when he was repairing. I mean, that's how he got the, that's how he got the little gorilla from the uh, uh, Empire State Building, and he got the sunglasses from the ballpark, I think. And I mean, just wherever he went, he grabbed little things and took yeah. them back to his little. Okay, so two things: why did he need a little hideout filled with all this kitsch from the eighties and seventies and nineties and whatever? Okay. And two, with the records specifically, how did he pick? Uh, did he what was it the artwork was it the actual albums if it was the albums how did he hear them how did he listen to them? how did he know that he liked that stuff that's because, a good question because we don't see them engaging in much recreational stuff at their little home talking about jack and vicka yeah they go swimming they they, they swim eat and they, they have sleep, sex they fuck. <laughs> that's yes. pretty much it so much how it. did they i don't i don't know and and it's another failing of this movie because i don't care <laughs> Yes, um, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. During the canyon chase with the three drones. Oh, that felt like it was just shoehorned. In. It totally was. There was um, a lot of shoehorning here. There was. Uh, I did like the uh, Empire State Building. 
that was like it was in the canyon, so you're yeah. supposed to think that it was underground at some point. I guess. I don't yes, know. I don't know. Neat, neat touch. Um, when they're flying and they're kind of they get hit by that one drone and they're spinning and she goes, "Are we gonna die?" And he says, "No." No, we got. And then they Maybe. get knocked in. Yeah, they get knocked in. That's after the canyon, isn't it? Yeah, because they get knocked into the radiation zone. Yeah, and he pulls out his handgun, uh-huh. his pistol. Yeah, and he levels it at that drone and fires one shot that disables the drone. Oh, I figured that out. Did oh you have an explanation? Because I thought I that was complete and utter bullshit. So, because <laughs> okay. I shoot guns, I want to know what your explanation is. Okay, so they sort of hinted at this throughout the movie and I think they did it consistently enough that I feel that they did an okay job with this aspect of the movie he could take a beating he could hit things other people couldn't hit and I think this was all implying that the clones were built stronger with better accuracy and more resilience than the original copies were Hmm. any human being these clones were going to be better. Hmm. And it was consistent. It never said it. And I kind of appreciate that. A consistent thing that's always happening uh, until you go, okay, yeah, that's what it is. And they don't have to tell you. And that's what I felt. He got hit by some crazy stuff that would have killed any of the other characters. He fell from such a height. His back should have been broken. He kept surviving. Uh, I think at one point he got hit by one of the uh, laser blasts straight from one of the floating balls when Vika got killed and he survived. He got hit in the chest and maybe it went through Vika before it hit him, but he survived. And I'm thinking they made him more durable. Hmm. And I think the Vika had a specific role in this too, uh, in the whole dynamic of what the, the Tet, yeah, the Tet was trying to accomplish you have him going out in the field. He needs to be strong. He needs to be able to accomplish things that humans couldn't accomplish, but they want the creativity of the human mind to fix various issues that maybe uh, a computer might overlook because they're not, they're only programmed to fix things in certain ways, which okay. is what I tr- think they try to show you with the gum, even though that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, while he's going out there, they don't want him getting too attached to this world and not coming back because they want to reprogram them or do whatever they want to do with them every so often. Or maybe they just got an end of life built in. Maybe. Uh, so they have in the station a character that the tech needs to have an emotional connection with. This is the only other human they've got. This is their companion. and uh, But that character will not leave. Hmm. And they kind of showed that reoccurringly, too. She would not leave there. Right. So I think the idea was she was the tether that made him have to come home. Okay. So he would go out there, but never stay out there. He had his cabin. He definitely liked his cabin more. Oh, yeah. He would have stayed at his cabin. He would have never gone back. But she was there. That was his companion. And she wouldn't leave there. So I think that was... a. A purposeful dynamic. Okay, I can buy that. I never yeah. looked at it that way, but I can buy that. There was some clever things that makes me make me think that had this gone to someone else, like the Star Wars thing. So George Lucas comes up with the whole Star Wars idea. He's got enough for like six movies. Some other guy comes along and says, "Yeah, but we're just going to do these three. And then they have someone else 
do a lot of the directing. Mm. That's what needed to happen here. The guy who wrote the story, the guy who originally directed it, they all did, got it to this point, and it just needed to go a bit further. Mm. They weren't done. Because there's clever stuff in there. It just wasn't done. I can get on board with that. I think I think now I'm going to have to watch that movie again and keep all of this <laughs> in mind and see if it... I, I don't really you think it's see going jibes? to... No, 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 not no. at all. I, okay. I, I, like I said, I buy what you're saying. It's cool. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I just yeah, want to see you, if it. You I just want to see what it, I'm stepping in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just want to see if it changes my outlook on the film. I really think I'm still not going to care. I don't but, think I will either because I, I pick this all up and I still don't care. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> so okay, we got the uh, handgun. Oh, the the other the only other part that has to do with personnel. Instead of the only other thing that I had that has to do with people instead of things okay. is where Vicka says Jack is unfit for service and Sally says, are you still an effective team? No, stupid bitch. Yeah. I just said he's unfit for service. How am I going to be an effective team with a guy who's unfit for service? <laughs> right. What and they the kill hell? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I and then they open was, the door and they kill her. I think that was another thing because she was on the base consistently. Uh, it was easier to mentally program her and use him, her as a barometer for whether these other two needed to be removed from service, like um, like a canary in a in a in a mine. Okay, the canary dies. Okay, you got to get out of the mine. Uh, Vicka, Vic, Vicka, Vicka, Vicka says things aren't good. Okay, you've just got to terminate the team. And I yeah, think there was a could lot. Be. Then clone a new pair and send them down. Right. And I think that was a lot to do with why she kept repeating the tat, kept repeating the same line is because she was a training her because uh, they needed to keep be trained and continuously on the path that the tat needed them on uh, and to check the barometer regularly because she was probably checking a crap ton of different teams. Right. And who knows? There was probably a lot of times they were replacing teams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you look yeah. at it through that lens, I can see where that, yeah. that makes perfect sense. And doing it globally, yeah, she was probably replacing a team a day yeah. or more. They were at least up to 52 teams, but those were the only ones we know of because that's the highest number right. that we knew of. But they could have been on team 106. Who knows? For all exactly. Know. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. all, and that's literally all I've got for the movie. Um, I mean, well, you you got some tech stuff too. No, that did it all. That's all. Oh my god. Okay, I know, right? Okay, so I have some. More I mean, stuff. we can go over some of the text. I didn't write it down because it, the stuff I liked was cool, and I remember it. What was the your, stuff I didn't like was like whatever. I I think we should. I I enjoyed. Okay, I enjoyed the bubble ship. Yeah, bubble ship was cool. It was built um, partially according to Tom Cruise's spec because he is a pilot. And they oh. they wanted to make it look very accurate, so it, he he had a lot of input on Good how on how Tom the control Cruise. should be set up. Well, there's there's something he improved about the movie. Good on him. I don't know that he improved it because we don't know what the other result might have been. With Whoa. with less energy put in that, maybe they could have put more energy <laughs> into writing. <laughs> I do like the fine details when you get something yes. like that right. Um, when the way they did the flight scenes was mm-hmm. cool because you could tell yes. the actors and actresses were actually putting a gimbal because the extra flap on their seatbelts flapped around and like it yeah. would if the gravity was changing because they were doing spins and rolls and things of that nature. So that would kind of right. neat. That was neat. Uh, that's a touch you don't normally see in movies like that. And I, I, I mean, I enjoyed all of the alien tech. I thought it was pretty cool. It wasn't over the top. Uh, the Tet was very powerful looking, but very simple. Yes, it was um, a bit like Hal in a pyramid. Yeah, period. yeah, big time. Um, yeah. I like the 
way the bubble ships and the drones kind of mirrored each other. They had the same type of guns. They had the same type yes. of engines. It was the it was the repetition of that sphere yeah. uh, aesthetic along with similar technology for both of them. Right. Very cool. Scav tech was okay. Uh, we didn't get mm. to see a whole lot of it. Really, the voice changer and the guns was pretty much it. And the little scopes. Well, there was and, a bit they put, of, and they put black feathers on there. Uh, a bit of the problem with the all. scavs is given the technology they were shown to have, there was no reason they should have survived that long. I couldn't tell how they were getting food. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they had underground. Water. Maybe they had underground gardens or something. I don't know. Maybe. But the clean water is a huge problem. Massive problem. Yeah, you can't grow food or survive very long without it. So No, and they didn't explain any of that. And I thought that would have been the more interesting thing to find out about. Kind of yes. like the, when you get into the third Matrix movie, the third Matrix movie was bad. But the part where they show you how they survived was neat. I, I hate you a little bit more right now. Why? I loved the you third. Loved the third I loved no. all the Matrix movies. I loved the first and second one. I loved all the Matrix movies. Uh. I thought they were fantastic. They were light years ahead of their time. <laughs> and this is, they were we're this is gonna be a very interesting gonna, episode yeah. when we do the Matrix. Oh, this is gonna be awkward. Um, I won't be able to look you in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> <Do you? laughs> um but anyway, I mean that's that's pretty much it for the tech. Okay. Really? I mean there wasn't much more the the towers were cool. The, the the glass bottom swimming pool was cool. That looked like a cool place to visit. I would never want to live there, but it was so clean. Tech, I thought, tech four nines yeah. sucked because it was so high up, and the, their base yeah. had to be on the ground level. And then the tower was way, way, way high up in the air. For what purpose? I still don't know because if their area was like five hundred oh. miles wide, holy crap! She's not gonna be able to see them. Why did you have to have this thing way up in the sky? I don't get it. You could just I ran the antenna for the radio up. I thought it might have been a part to do with ensuring that they could screw them over if Maybe. they needed to. Because they're in this giant place. What do they do if they were like, okay, we need to eliminate these two? But Tech, you but know. Tech Five Twos was only like twenty five feet above the ground. It was on a because it, it was up on a mountainside. Yeah, that kind of messed up my theory. <laughs> I had the theory before they showed Tech Five Twos, oh, okay. and then they showed Tech Five Twos. I'm like, wait, uh, well, oh, well, crap. Oh, I'm not sure now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so oh, I mean that was I had a problem. There's, there's not much more tech in there other than that. So I, I did mean, have a problem you know. with some of the tech. Okay. Okay, so these things are able to work uh all the time because sometimes the tet is unable to communicate. You're talking about the drones and the and the water rigs and things like that? Yeah. Yeah. So the drone so when the tet is destroyed, the drones all fall. Right. Makes no sense. Because there's a period of time when the tet is on the other side of the world and we see this where it can't communicate. Therefore, the drones should be able to work whether or not the Tet can communicate mm. because they do before that. Also, okay. Yeah. So I'll yeah. refute that. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to refute your refute. I'm sure I'll refute that by saying that the drones have an automation sequence. Yeah. Right. So when the Tet goes offline, the, the automation sequence kicks in and they're able to do their pre-programmed stuff. They can't do anything unique because they're not being controlled by the tech. They're being they're on they're on autopilot basically. They can they can do their programming that's internal and that's it. When the tech comes online for a particular set of drones, they automatically switch over to online mode and they're getting all directives from the tech. When that was unexpectedly terminated, those drones just dropped. That being said, the drones on the other side of the planet that were out offline with the tech might yeah. still be operating. Could be. Your explanation is good. 
but it's not perfect. Well, no, because obviously because it's not a perfect movie. But oh God, no. if they kept what you had so far, what you just movie. said, if if they took what you just said and kept that in mind when they made this movie, they could have made some alterations to make that the reality. Yeah, and it would have made more sense. Okay, uh, there was another thing: the the ships that we were just talking about, their helicopter, the things, bubble ship, yeah, the bubble ships. Those were awesome ships. They were cool. Um, the one thing I thought was odd is it seems like the Tet, with the ability to control all sorts of stuff from way up there, should have been able to sh- hit a, a kill switch when she didn't want him doing all sorts of stupid stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. Uh, that because was an oddly unexplained thing. Exactly. Um, well, the only thing. Well, were they were they out of line? Were they offline at the time? Well, no, they couldn't have been when cause they, they killed. Uh, keep forgetting name valky val val vicka vicka when they killed vicka that was the point in time i would have thought they were not offline they were, they were the tet was right overhead yeah and that would have been a time that the tet would have gone okay yeah you're not leaving right um, but th- that's not what happened yeah yeah I-, I see what you're saying it's not isn't yeah it's not a perfect explanation um it's just the first thing i came up with off the top of my head it's a good explanation though sure it was a good enough explanation it if, was better if, if than what anything, the movie explained. If anything else yeah. in this movie were worth a shit, that explanation would be good enough to say, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just uh, move it up. yeah. But I still don't care. Yeah. And <laughs> that's the theme. Oblivion. Oblivion. We, we don't, don't care. care. <laughs> it's the perfect tagline. Why wasn't that on all the movie posters? I don't know. Probably <laughs> because Tom Cruise was in charge and he would never have that. Yeah. There's a second storyline that I think would have been an interesting storyline. What's okay. the name of the wife? Uh, the wife was Julia. Julia. Is that a real name or is that her character name? No, that's Julia. That was, okay. that was a character name. That was a character name. Yeah. Rusakova. Julia Rusakova. So, this is an alternative story they could have done. Uh, the story of Julia and her disposable boyfriend. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. I like that. That's yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the sequel. That Oblivion. Be the Julia sequel. and her disposable so, boyfriend. In this world, you now have a crap ton of identical redheads. Yep. A crap ton of jacks. Yep. And every jack remembers being married to one woman. She's a high commodity now. She's a hot commodity. <laughs> she, can, she can have her picks of men as long as those men are Jack Harper, number one, two, five hundred. <laughs> she can go oh, anywhere in the world. It's like, what if she has a really bad fight with Jack one day? It's like, I'll go find another Jack. You don't don't think I won't. I'm going to find another Jack. Well, I'll go find another Vicka. You know, there's like 500 of them out there, too. Right. Not as hot a commodity, though. There's only one. There's only one of that girl. And Oh, oh you're talking. Oh, yeah. No, you're the talking. Wife. I got I got off the, track. The I was thinking Vic Vicka's way hotter to me than Julia. I don't know. You know, here's the problem. I think they should have switched those two positions. The, the girl playing Julia should have been the Vicka character. I think the problem. I don't think the the underlying reasoning should be uh, the looks. I think the underlying reasoning should be the chemistry. And Tom Cruise had chemistry with neither of them. So I don't know which one should have been the wife, which one should have been the uh, glass which ultimately, house girl. Which ultimately is why we, we don't, don't care. care. Exactly. Now, there's uh, one thing I, I did sort of like. Yeah. Is that you could tell the relationship between Jack and Vicka was mismatched and i think that might have been a good thing if see and i didn't see that from the beginning i, I, I see my heart. 
Did you? Yeah, because... I mean, they just seemed like a couple. A weird couple, but a couple. A couple for lack of choice. That's what they were. Because he was adventurous. They didn't have any chemistry. Well, yeah. And that might have worked for me if the actual wife... What was her name again? Julia! Julia! If Julia and uh, Jack had chemistry, but... That wasn't there either. No, because that would have offset the first one and made the first one make sense. But in the end, I just felt like Jack was just no good with women. But see, on the other side, that's part of the problem I had with Tom Cruise in this whole film is I I don't remember seeing a movie where Tom Cruise had chemistry with any woman. Ooh. Go ahead. Making me dig into my brain. Go ahead. What about that? It's been so long since I've seen Top Gun. Was Top Gun? There was no chemistry there. Was no there. chemistry? I, I can't tell you that they, you're they, wrong. They bounced so lines off of each other through the whole movie. That was about yeah. it. Yeah. I think Tom Cruise just wants to look cool yeah. rather than heartfelt. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. He is he is an action movie guy. That's it. I guess so. That's that's all. I think that's all. If, if, if somebody came to Tom Cruise and said... Hey man, I got a deal where you're going to be able to make action movies, Jack Reacher style action movies, for the rest of your life. He would be down with that totally, probably. Yeah. Oh, I did have something interesting to mention. All Just right. going through my notes. In fact, this is the last thing I've got notes on. All right. Well, this is a good way to end it then. Okay. So this is about the music. Okay. Um, I was watching. I was trying there was to music find in this good, movie. Sort of. Because I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously the the records, but the uh, I was trying to find a good place to watch this movie, and I was failing to find a Blu-ray with a quiet setting. So I sat down and started watching it uh, in a place that didn't have quiet. So I had to listen to it with background noise of other people doing things. Okay, I found out because of this that the movie, the first half of the movie, would have been made a hundred percent better if the soundtrack was replaced with Mozart. Kershaw number 315, Oboe Concerto. Really? Yes, it was very good. I kept watching the movie thinking, you know, that looks, that's, I do really love the music. I really love the music. I really love the music. And then at some point I realized, this isn't the music from the movie. It's coming from the other room. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Oboe Concerto has the perfect feel for what they were conveying. This. What was it again? Of, uh, oboe concerto. It was Mozart's oboe concerto. You could probably find if you look up oboe concerto. Uh, the person listening to it said it was Kershaw 314, 314. I don't okay. know what that means. I don't know either. But it was perfect. It had okay. that loneliness. It had that that grand loneliness that really fit the first half of this movie. Huh. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to watch it with that. You know what the scene that I realized the music wasn't actual in the movie was? What? It was when they were doing the uh, the pool scene. Okay. Because the pool scene had its own music, and I'm suddenly thinking, wait, there's now two music. There's two soundtracks. What's going on? <laughs> because before the pool scene... It was pretty quiet. You didn't care. Well, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Never really cared. I would... Lo- okay, so let's oh. end up by saying this uh, about the movie. We don't care. We don't care. Go see it if you don't care. Right. Tell us how little you cared. And if there's one of you out there who did care, yes, tell please. us why. Tell us why. Tell us why. Convince us, because because we can be wrong. We're not like we're not like we we're not setting ourselves up as judge, jury, and executioner on these no. movies. We just tell people what we feel. So if you've yeah. got a different way uh, that you feel about Oblivion, this Tom Cruise. <laughs> 
piece of crap. <laughs> right. Tell us, let us know, because we would really love to hear another viewpoint. Yeah, and and thank you in advance for being right. a part of the conversation. Absolutely. Let's talk about stuff that has to, doesn't have to do with movies. This is our what our sixth episode. Uh, this is our sixth episode. Yeah, we're doing pretty good so far, right? Yeah, I think so. I think this has been the most fun I've had today because <laughs> I just we keep learning each yeah. episode, trying new things. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is today. I think was really good because I uh, I didn't care. <laughs> just having fun. You, you just carried over the uh, the the <laughs> yeah. oblivion feeling from yesterday right yeah. into <laughs> right into the podcast. Well, uh, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, because we have uh, in, in the upcoming future, we have Halloween coming up. Yeah, uh, we have. Uh, are we ready to say what the next movie is? Here? I'm going to put the clues for both movies for next week up. Uh, or there's was only, next, there's, there's next week. Movie. There's only one movie. That's there's right. So I'm going to. I'm going to put the clues up for that uh, yeah. this afternoon, uh, right before I release uh, this podcast. I don't know if this is a clue, but uh, once you know the movie, you'll understand why we're <laughs> only doing one movie this yeah. time. Yeah. 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 That might be a little tiny clue. Yeah, that's a little tiny clue. <laughs> uh, anything else we got coming up? Um, yeah, no. No. Okay. So, well, uh, I mean, there's the release of there's the release of Terminator. Oh, that's coming up. Yeah, that we're going to do that in, in early in November. Like two weeks. Yeah, this it gets released be... on the first. So, yeah, Vince, you did your first sort of review, right? Of Ad Astra. I wasn't able to go with that. You. Was that was episode one of the Was It Worth It series? Yeah. So I guess we're going to be doing another dual person. Was it worth it? Yeah. Terminator. Terminator that's, that's, 3. What, that's what we need to call our our reviews of movies. Was, was it, it worth the, it? Was it worth it review? So we'll, yeah. we'll do a, a side. Sh- it's going to be shorter. Yeah, well, it'll definitely episodes. be shorter. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good chance for you guys to it might, it might get our be shorter because it's a brand new movie and it's a really good one, apparently, yeah. from what the things I'm seeing. But that first one, I don't want to spoil anything. OK, then it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But then I want to come back on the next episode and spoil the crap out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe we'll wait a little bit and let people actually watch it. Maybe maybe we'll do the spoiler review uh, in December. Uh, That gives them a month. That's a whole month. That's a long time. I'm fine with giving them two weeks, but I don't want it to be so long (laughs) afterwards. So I'll probably have to rewatch. We'll have to end up watching the movie twice. That's not a bad thing. Eh, Probably as long as it's a good movie, man. It is James Cameron coming back. Right. So it could be great. The likelihood of this movie sucking balls is near zero. <sighs> okay. I'll agree with you. Yeah. It's it near zero. James Cameron. It's at least single digits. I mean, it's at least 9% or lower. Yeah. Well, I'm one of the very few people, and I don't think I actually mentioned this when we did the Terminator, who liked Terminator 1 way more than Terminator 2. And those people I've talked to liked it the other way around. So Yeah, I, yeah, I like Terminator 2 way more than 1. For me, theoretically, it could be a continued decline. It could be on par with Terminator 2. I could see it going a lot of different ways. It yeah. just For me, it depends. Does James have another story to tell? So I don't want to keep you guys forever. That's that's what we have coming up. Yep. Um, uh, you'll be looking out for those clues, hopefully tomorrow. I, I, I want to hear your guesses. They'll be, yeah, they'll be, they'll, by the time you're listening to this, uh, the clues for the next week's movie will be online already. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, uh, look us up again on Facebook. Just look up the Sci-Fi Crunch Roast. We're also on Twitter at Crunch Roast and Gmail, crunchroast at gmail.com. So send in your reviews, send in your comments, questions, 
Uh, anything you might take issue with, if you don't like the sound of my voice and you want me off the air, let me know. Uh, <laughs> let us know. Yeah, Jeff? I have nothing left to say. Well, in that case, we shall see you out there. <laughs>